A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. What in the world is happening on Wall Street? Economic indicators. Who knows where this is going to end up? understand the economy, you have to understand human nature. Welcome to the David McWilliams podcast. Hope all is going well. And as you know, the podcast is all about trying to make uh, economics accessible, comprehensible, and I suppose above all, relevant to your life. This week, we're going to be talking about disruption. This new word we hear everywhere, disruptive technologies, creative disruption, people who disrupt. How does that actually change the economy, the economics of disruption? That's what we're going to be talking about this week. Before we begin, I want to just mention that this episode is brought to you thanks to our Patreon supporters. And to help support the content, and perhaps more importantly, to unlock exclusive comment and scenes and footage and episodes, please consider becoming a patron at patreon.com forward slash David McWilliams. As always, I'm joined by my own mate, John Davis. How are you, Head? Very good. But see, Lucy's hammering away on the piano downstairs. Lucy is hammering away on the piano. Lucy is my daughter. She's hammering away at the piano. She's playing Forbidden Fruit this evening. Fantastic. She's wow. She's playing for- Forbidden Fruit. She herself, herself and her mate, Hugh, who goes under the moniker of Malachi. They're a sort of a hip-hop duo, but Lucy... They've sings, released a single. They, 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 released, they've, they've, they've released a single called Jack, which was about a mate of theirs who committed suicide. It's a very... Quite common experience for teenagers these days, you know? Yeah. And Lucy, in the construct of the song, Lucy is Jack's mother, who's full of, his name wasn't Jack, it's obviously a pseudonym, uh, who's full of remorse about what she could have done had she known something. But I mean, a lot of the other stuff, they're they're experimenting. and, And the amazing thing is that they're musicians, they're into music, She's bashing away the piano downstairs because they're on stage in about six hours. That's brilliant. Yeah. But she's a fantastic voice, absolutely fantastic voice. And it comes across really well on that single. And, and fair play to her. Jesus. Yeah, it's, Dude, a, big, that's, that's a, a big deal. It's a huge deal. Yeah, yeah. She's got, big crowds. She's got the performance gene for her alpha, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but it's interesting. I was thinking of, of, of Lucy and her mates making music, uploading the music onto Spotify generating their own fan base from Spotify, then gigging, then releasing again, then gigging, then releasing again. 
And it's totally different to the music Completely. industry that you were involved in. Yeah, yeah. Even from, well, I was, as you know, worked in studios, recording albums and movies and stuff from the kind of mid 80s. And the change was beginning to happen then because that was the kind of digital realm was was um, was coming in. But there was still, the music industry was, model of it was that it was funded by the big record companies. They loaned, they were essentially the banks for bands. So they signed, funded the, the recording of the album and the first tours, et cetera, et cetera. And back in the day, there was always the kind of three albums to allow a band three albums in order to get going, build a name and all the rest. But then that whole model was destroyed by the likes of Napster was the first one that came along. And the the, the record companies tend to ignore, at that stage, ignored Napster and the digital. They were kind of, they were in denial. But of course, Napster led on to Spotify, well, iTunes, then Spotify, and the whole model of the music industry changed and the whole way that we actually consume music has changed entirely. And that's what I want to talk about today, yeah. which is disruption, using the music industry as the model for what actually happens in capitalism all the time, which is this Schumpeter, Joseph Schumpeter, yeah. who was this Austrian economist. Not a trumpeter. Not a trumpeter. He's got a good name, though. He's a good name, Schumpeter. I know. Jesus. Give that man a drink, will you? Uh, No, he was, and his idea was that capitalism is always unstable, not stable. Now, Marx said it was unstable and the instability of capitalism would lead to its own destruction. Okay. Schumpeter said that the instability of capitalism is the essence of why capitalism works. And let's look at the music industry. You're just saying, you know, Lucy's down there, she's playing tonight. She's out in the in the music industry. She's a singer, she's a musician, is playing her piano, doing her own thing, trying to get on, trying to figure out what she wants to do in in life. Like she's mm. in music college now, but you know she's she's really really has become focused on, on this. But the question is, the music industry for me is a great example of the relentless scale of creative destruction. And by that I yeah. mean, Schumpeter said that's what makes capitalism work. That every time a company, remember you said the record companies, it's a good example. Yeah. Every time a company believes it has the comparative advantage, a dominant position, some upstart comes in, changes the model, changes the way people and consumers behave, and ultimately then destroys the company. But in the destruction of the company, in this case, let's say Island Records or one of the big yeah. Polydor or whatever, in the in the destruction of the company breeds a new and more creative new version, and we go on. So that capitalism is a relentless churn of old, being churned into the new, being churned into the old, being churned into the new. And that's the essential dynamism of the capitalist economy. And I, and I think it's a fascinating subject. Yeah. I mean, you could also argue that the technology behind it, not the technology in the recording studio and the changes in technology from the 50s all the way through led to the rise of new music genres. You know, when you move from kind of guitar-based stuff into more electronic stuff and the early synths of the 80s, which, you know, that was the beginnings of the digital age, that then that morphed into sampling, sequencing, which gave rise to hip-hop, all that kind of stuff. And it moved away from the kind of guitar bands, you know, hold up in the studio for three months 
and now it was, it was all being done in the bedrooms. And that was the other thing that the record companies actually missed out on as well, is that they suddenly realised that, wow, there's, the music is being churned out, you know, for next to nothing by young fellas in their, in their bedrooms. We don't have to pay for development time and studio time and all that kind of stuff. So they started dropping all their kind of singer-songwriters and just plowing money into, and very little money, into the whole hip-hop phase. And they suddenly realised after a while, you know, music completely changed and they lost out because it was all the kind of independence that took over. Well, this is the idea that basically if you look at the economy, right, as this unbelievably creative force that's always coming up. And so if you think that economics starts in the human mind. I've always thought that, you know, yep. that the most impressive economic machine in the world is this yoke between our ears, the human mind, the creative impulse, the impulse to say I, something, to ideas. do something, to, to take ideas and make them a reality. To It's a sort of a, it's the innate human need to be. I want to be something. I want to, I want to make a difference. And, and economics is all part of that. And this really, the music thing came up to me. I remember... A couple of years ago, I had an amazing opportunity to talk to Brian Eno. Again, right. at the Doki Book Festival a couple of years ago. He's one of my heroes. And Eno, I knew he'd be one of your heroes because, I mean, that's your, that's your thing. He's yeah. just a music genius. But Brian Eno was saying to me that when, when he and David Bowie were in Berlin yeah, and they were recording, I think it was Low. Yes, album, it was, yeah. 76, 77, around yeah. then. And they had been, as you said, they'd been in the studio, the two of them. And he said, two kind of kind of middle-class English boys in the studio yeah. chatting away, you know, but very creative. And Bowie was just coming off his white diet at that, which was, I think, it was white bread, cocaine, and white cheese, right? <laughs> it, that actually had him, the thin white juke when he was... That's one of the reasons why they went to Berlin, actually, to get him out of that better. scene. <laughs> <laughs> no, to get him out of that scene, I, I thought. I think so, yeah. yeah. And he was saying that, but he was saying that Bowie was really in a creative phase and, and Eno and Bowie together. I mean, an extraordinary dynamic between the two of them but Eno goes out from the recording studio and he comes back in about two hours later and he says to Bowie and he told me this he says David forget everything scrap it I've just heard the future of music and it is not us and what he'd heard wow. was I Feel Love by Donaldson And what he'd heard, and this is the creative destruction, was that Giorgio Moroder had created this real proper undercarriage of kraut rock. You know, like almost like Kraftwerk sort of stuff, right? Kraut rock. The first kind of sequencers. Exactly. And then Moroder had got this soul diva, Donna Summer, to sing over the kraut rock. And Eno said himself and Bowie, it's a lovely image to listen to that and just said, we're not at the races. We have been disrupted yeah. by this innovation that came in Giorgio Moroder's head to take Krautrock as the bass yeah. and get a soul singer as the melody and create something amazing. And that is what I'm talking about. The creative destruction happens everywhere. When a fantastic football manager like, you know, Pep Guardiola figures out, or maybe even 
the really the brave and I know football isn't your thing. But bear with me, right? Yeah, no, no. <laughs> you know, Johan Cruyff. Yes, the, Dutch. The most yeah, I Dutch, knew that. Dutch, the most beautiful footballer who ever played the game, right? Goes in to Ajax and says to the guys at Ajax, or his training at Ajax, that you don't need a position. We're going to play total football. So every player can play in every position. Okay. Right? Right. That was the whole Dutch thing. Yeah. So you could play up front, you could play behind, the whole thing. Right? Total football. You had positions, but you weren't stuck with them. And again, that was creative disruption. It disrupts the model. It disrupts the way football is played. Yeah. And Holland go on to be the most extraordinary football team in the world for a period. And he brings that to Barcelona and Barcelona change and become the Barcelona we know, all that stuff. And then Pep Guardiola learns it at Barcelona, brings it to Man City. And so you see it, everyone's adding a little bit, okay, changing right. a little bit. So there's, there's a long, but if you look at economics, and we go back to it, John, the idea that the economy is driven by creativity and creativity is always, your creativity mm. has the seeds of my destruction. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. And my destruction leads me to do better things and leads me on to do better things. And that's what Schumpeter said, that as long as we let the economy and capitalism do its own thing, it will, almost like a renewable resource, it will renew itself through creativity. And you can't stop that. And if you look around the world at what's happening, it seems to me to be a very, not the only way, but a really interesting way of looking at how the economy grows. Mm. Because the essential alchemy of economics is, how does it grow? How does the economy grow so you get more resources, you get more money, and you can plow that money into doing other things, you know? And Schumpeter's idea was that it comes from the creative genius of the mind, and you can't stop that. And every so often, there is like a massive paradigm shift, yeah? So, which would give rise to a whole load of, the, for instance, at the moment, we're in, we're in the kind of digital age where that has given rise and the possibilities are, are ended. So you end up with people like, or with companies like Uber, 
etc. And we talked about that. But I, I presume previously it was things like, you know, the introduction of oil, for instance, or the, the Industrial Revolution. They were the big kind of changes that then gave rise to a whole load of smaller changes. Yeah, I mean, the combustion engine, right? Yeah. This, is the, yeah. this, is, this is the technology. So oil is the resource. The combustion engine is the thing that changes the world and does for the blacksmith. The blacksmith was hanging out for years. Yeah. Why do you think Smith is the most common name in the English language? It's the most common surname in English, right? Wow. Schmidt in German. Yeah. McGowan, Osqualiga. Ooh. Oh, there nice, you go. Nice. There yeah. you go. Uh, extremely Kovac in all the Slavic languages is the blacksmith. So the smith was because people used horses and metalwork yeah. and whatever. And then over time, these became names and yeah. this became a staple. And then in around 1780 or let's say 1800 or whatever, the arrival of different steelworks and then oil. And then the horse gets made redundant and suddenly the blacksmith is gone. So all these things change and that happens all the time. And if you look at it now, the way in which the natural tendency for politics, and this is the interesting thing, John, is that you see these waves of creative destruction. The natural tendency for politics is to stop that because there's winners and losers. Okay. And politics always want to say, how how do we encourage the winners but also compensate the losers, right? And so therefore there is a natural tendency to try and stop innovation and try and like, so for example, you take Uber as a good example. Here in Ireland, Uber is banned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's banned in Ireland because Ireland has decided that the interests of taxi drivers are more significant than the interests of millions of consumers who will get cheaper taxi fares. And the interesting thing is that Uber now, because Uber makes no money, Mm. So Uber's shareholders, you know, they hear Uber is burning through a billion dollars a month. Right. That's actually a subsidy to us, the users, because Uber's shareholders are subsidizing us, hoping that Uber gets to number one dominant position and then they can increase fares again. Yeah. But at the moment, the sweet spot is us, but our state bans it. But that can't last forever. This is my point. This is my point. Look, come back to music. Banning innovation is a bit like saying to a band, let's say a band, let's say Radiohead, mm-hmm. release OK Computer or The Bends, and these are albums that are so much better than any other album in that year, right? Yeah. And that the music, the gods of the music industry say, all right, Radiohead, now you can't release another album for the next 10 years because you're too good. <laughs> Think yeah. about it. Yeah. That's a bit like banning Uber. Yeah. Right? You say, you can't do this because you're too good at it, right? So I think that Schumpeter said, look, if you leave the economy to its own devices. But you have a strong state so that in actual fact it taxes the huge gains by the new guys and redistributes income to the the losers, Mm. not only to give them comfort, but to encourage them to innovate as well. Then you create something really quite spectacular. And that is the essence of capitalism. And I think that increasingly a lot of people are beginning to see this, even if they don't articulate it Mm. in this way. Well, I suppose it's the... The fear of the unknown and change. People are always, you know, and, and instability. And governments are all about providing, well, allegedly, stability. So I can understand where they're coming from, but they're kind of going about it entirely the wrong way. They're going to be, yeah, yeah. It's like, I understand completely that stability, economic stability leads to political stability. It leads to what I would call social ballast, where an actual the ship isn't yeah. too unsteady. And once the ship isn't unsteady, then you don't get extreme politics. You don't get the politics of recrimination. 
you don't get this idea of the politics of identity that we've spoken about before, where I feel upset and therefore I identify with my tribe and it's the white Aryan tribe or it's this tribe and that tribe. So yeah, you're right. But equally still, if you try to suppress innovation, then you suppress the essential dynamism. Like if you look at, for example, take a company like Nokia. Do you remember about 10 years ago, this Finnish company was the biggest company yeah. in the world, or not the biggest company in the world, was the most exciting, most talked about company in the world. And now it's gone. Because Johnny Ive, the fellow we're going to be talking to next week, came up with this thing, the iPhone. Yeah. A great design in Johnny Ive's head. Steve Jobs obviously having the brains, the firepower, the drive to back him or to identify this guy. The iPhone destroys Nokia and Nokia is now a tiny company yeah. making phones for drug dealers. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I'm not going to say he's making phones, but I mean, what do you call them? What do you call those phones you get rid of after? Burners, Burners yeah. yeah. Burners are made by Nokia. That's yeah. what it is. It's for drug dealers. You know what I mean? So there's always a market for someone somewhere, <laughs> okay, for the criminal underworld. But even you think that Canadian company that came up with BlackBerry, when I, about 20 years ago, every self-respecting professional had a BlackBerry. They were the, 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 the bollocks, like. And they're now the dead bollocks. They're yeah. gone. Yeah. So this is, in, in a sense, what fascinates me at the moment when we talk about technology and music and kids and what's happening, is we seem to be on the cusp of some, or not on the cusp, in the middle of a technological revolution which is destroying old business models around the world, which is creating all sorts of amazing opportunities and which I think we would be mad to try and stop, slow down maybe, in order to try and keep the social ballast in the country or the global economy. But you can't stop this stuff. Yeah. So we were talking about the music industry and, and the oil industry and all that kind of stuff. So what do you think... What do you think are the biggest changes now that will have the, the you know, the big long-term effect? I think it's an interesting one. There's loads going on. But for me, for, as an economist, I think this, the biggest change is what, how this is going to change money. Okay, right? right, yeah. Because money is still, think about it, issued by central banks, which are quasi-private institutions, fed into the system through the banks, which are private institutions, and ultimately the state controls money supply and, and all these big things. Think about digitization. Think about blockchain. Think about how this is all going to change. This is all technology, right? Mm. Nathan Rothschild said, it was a very famous quote, give me the man who controls the money. I don't care about the guy who controls the war. If I can control the guy who controls the money, I control the country. So okay. Rothschild was very much about the guy who actually has the printing press, the guy who prints the stuff, He's the dude who's important. Yeah. Now, think about creative destruction and technology with the digitization and digital currencies. So suddenly, therefore, all currency becomes you trade with me, I trade with you. We create our own currency like Bitcoin. Yeah. I mean, I'm not sure that Bitcoin is the, is the finished article just yet, but it's moving towards something really interesting. And it's moving towards an area. Now, I find it very interesting in Bitcoin. If you go to America, Bitcoin is received in two different ways by two different constituencies. On the East Coast, Bitcoin is an anti-government, anti-Fed, anti-central bank, libertarian issue, right? Okay. On the West Coast, Bitcoin is seen as a technology. 
right? So the technology enthusiasts are all talking about the technological innovations that are possible from Bitcoin. On the East Coast, that's the West Coast, the hippie mm. ones. On the East Coast, it's all about an anti-government stance. This is incredibly powerful, right? Yeah. If you imagine what this is going to be like in the future as some of the problems of Bitcoin, like such as the dark web and all that sort of stuff, becomes sorted out and it becomes more acceptable. Yeah. And it becomes a competing currency and it becomes underpinned by technology. And then you have blockchain, which basically supports that blockchain being the platform of which Bitcoin can use. Because blockchain is just a tint, it's sort of a clearinghouse, right? Yeah. This, for me, as an economist, means that monetary economics, which has been the basis of economics. So, for example, the Romans had a great expression, which is called pecunia non olet, and it means money does not smell. It's a great expression, right? right. And it means that I don't give a shit where it comes from. Money as long is money. money is money. Yeah. And therefore, why did the uh, great emperors of Rome put their face on coins? Because money is power. Money is dominion. Money is I'm the man, okay? Yeah. You know, that's why the Americans call them the Benjamins, okay, yeah, 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 right? Yeah. So imagine that technology is going to disrupt all that. It's going to disrupt central banking. It's going to disrupt banking. It's going to disrupt commerce. And more interestingly, which is both scary and exciting, it's going to take away the power of money from the state and give that to the people. This is spectacular stuff. Thanks very much for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. Now, before we let you go, I want to give you a sneak preview of some premium content which you can access via Patreon. Caroline Kahn, people are talking about a new Cold War between China and America. Maybe 2019 is almost like one of those big moments in history, like 1945, when things totally change and relationships change. And we know what the West is thinking, but we don't know what Chinese people and particularly young Chinese people are thinking. So when you look out from Beijing, what are you seeing? Well, in China, people are actually talking about American politics and politics in the Europe, especially right now Brexit. So does the average Chinese person know what's happening in Hong Kong? Not really. And my journalist friends in Guangdong province, they went to the street and talked to people. They know nothing about it. So what you're saying to me is that China can control the internet. If you enjoyed that, you can hear the full episode and much more by joining us on Patreon, which is patreon.com forward slash David McWilliams. See ya.